mindfulness mode. First is, is taking things step by step. I think that's so key in life with everything. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I'm here today with a fascinating man. I'm here with a filmmaker. He's a writer. He's had a lot of challenges in his life, and uh, we're going to be talking about that. And uh, he's, he's really achieved amazing things, and I really admire him for what he's, what he's doing and how he's, uh, how he's sharing his message with the world. I'm here today with Daniel Hess. Danielle, are you in mindfulness mode today? I'm definitely in mindfulness mode today, and thank you for that very flattering intro. I'm, I'm beside myself with uh, the inability to, you know, comment on that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. My pleasure. Daniel, what does mindfulness mean to you? For me, you know, mindfulness is about that, that balance in life. Mindfulness is about understanding the things that might be triggers or that kind of might be holding you back from achieving something and just kind of sitting with those things and saying okay i know this is going to maybe push me in a bad direction so maybe you know we need to take this in smaller steps or things like that and it's just really about like finding the core of yourself and sort of learning how to not only speak with yourself, but then also be able to have actions based off of those things that you know you need in life. That makes sense. Your film company is called Two Tony Productions. Tell our listeners how you come up with that name. So Two Tony Productions is uh, named after my close friend and cousin. Uh, his name was Anthony, or everybody called him Tony. Um, we were really, really close friends growing up and, you know, spent a lot of time together, very uh, 90s aesthetic, playing video games and watching cable TV as much as we could. Um, but unfortunately, he was born with cystic fibrosis. So, you know, throughout his life, he sort of, of course, struggled with that. It was a pretty, you know, extreme case of CF. So when he was around 14, I was uh, 10 at the time, he ended up going into a coma and was in the hospital for about two, three months there. Um, I remember it was sort of towards the end of the school year when he got taken into the hospital. And we visited every day and, and we're really hoping that, you know, he might pull through because he had kind of had these things happen in the past, but unfortunately ended up passing only around 11 days before my 11th birthday. So it was just a very tough time for the family, for me, you know, having to sort of see him go and sort of understand that, you know, death was a thing that, that could happen to anybody. And so I always say that, like, that was the point in my childhood where the innocent phase sort of stopped, you know, it was life sort of came at me in a million directions all at once. And so, you know, fast forward to when I was in college and had to find something to name a company after, you know, I saw a lot of friends and colleagues sort of naming it after themselves or, you know, using their initials. And I really wanted to have some kind of deeper meaning to the company to sort of always remind me that, you know, life is short, life is about 
doing the best you can. So Two Tony Productions, as a dedication to my cousin, just sort of came naturally. Well, at age 28, you had something happen that uh, really made a change in your life. Tell Mindful Tribe about that. Yeah, so when I was 28, I finally got the word that I was going to need open heart surgery for a lifelong uh, condition that I was born with called aortic valve stenosis, which essentially means when my aortic valve is pumping blood from the heart, some of it actually leaks back down into my heart, which, you know, can cause a lot of different issues. It kind of prevented me from being in any kind of more athletic fields and things like that as I grew up. Um, but, you know, the estimation was that I wouldn't really need anything until much later in life. You know, I was kind of always told that something maybe in my 50s, maybe my 60s would be, you know, a surgery possibility. But at 28, you know, I went in for my yearly echo and they were like, this isn't looking super great. Um, we kind of think you're going to need to have surgery in a few years. And for as much as I know, we're so advanced with technology and, and everything that, you know, the odds of something bad happening with open heart surgery are very slim, but there was still that thought in my mind. And it really made me kind of look back on what I had been doing with my life, especially since college and kind of realizing that like, while I had these big dreams and wanted to kind of be in a more creative space, I really wasn't doing so much of that with my life. So it really pushed me to start to think creatively and try to do creative film projects to do writing again. And it really helped me revisit a lot of things that I was sort of neglecting. And, and I knew I was, but that was my big kind of like wake up call, you know, that I had. Yeah. How does creativity serve you? How does it fulfill you in your life? I think creativity for me is kind of a, a twofold thing. Um, for one, it, it really helps me kind of have a cathartic experience to kind of reflect back on things that I've been through myself personally. Um, it's always sort of been this vessel for me to get certain thoughts or emotions out that I might be otherwise kind of shielding or not being as open with people around me as I'd like to be. And then the other thing is really being able to build something for others to kind of explore and take away from. So the ability to like build worlds and characters and things that, you know, I can relate to, but I also understand that others might be able to relate to and take away from. Um, that for me is like, so important and you know goes along with that whole kind of trying to find deeper messages um, in everything that I try to have a hand in and try to put out there for the world. Yeah and speaking of that uh, one of your books is Just a Boy Blaming Himself. Tell us about how you poured yourself into writing that book. Yeah so you know with that it's it was really a culmination of about five or six years of, of poetry that I had been sort of just sitting on. And, you know, in my mid twenties onward, it was just kind of something that was just a quick outlet. You know, I had my phone on me and if I was feeling something, I would just kind of write out a poem or something like that. And 
you know, I started kind of getting a little better with like sharing them with friends and things. And people were kind of saying like, you know, you should do something with this. I feel like this is good stuff. And, you know, with time, the confidence started kind of growing. And, you know, finally, I just had this day where I was like, you know, I have all of this stuff. I just need to, to put it into something. And so I just started, you know, making a blank document and kind of pasting all of the, the notes that I'd written on the phone into a big word sheet. And next thing I knew, I was just kind of getting an editor involved and kind of going through everything and sort of categorizing the different poems and stuff like that. And, you know, it was a collection that I just sort of put together. And again, with releasing it, it was just sort of the same deal where I just picked the day put it out there and then started learning backwards, you know, how to, to get this out to people and sort of share what I'd written. Well, June, 2022, as we release this, you have a new book coming out, Focus Puller. Tell us about this book and, and uh, what it means to you and the messages that you want to get out to your readers. Yeah. So Focus Puller is the my debut novel. Um, for me, it was that that introspective sort of catharsis again, because it is a semi autobiographical novel. It's you know based on a lot of experiences I've been through personally. So I just felt like I had all of these stories and all of these experiences in my mind that I just you know needed to share with people because I felt like there was a lot of value in my own struggles and my own fears, anxieties, you know, instances of just being reckless in life and things like that. And I feel like by just getting it out there on one hand, you know, I want people to understand that like, you know, no one in the world is, is a perfect person. You know, that's always been my stance and for me being able to create this like character study for someone who is really in this gray area and isn't really too sure of himself in a lot of ways kind of, you know, is easily relatable. Cause I feel like we all have those thoughts of like, am I bad? Am I good? What am I doing with life? And I think through that, just sharing these little vignettes, I think there's just a lot that people can grow from and maybe feel confident about sharing their own stories. And for me, that's kind of an important piece because it's like over the years having conversations, you find that, you know, when you sort of open up to people, it's amazing how much others open up and might be able to get out things that they've been through that they're maybe still trying to work through personally. And it just opens that doorway, which for me is just so vital because, you know, it's never great to just kind of internalize everything that, no. that we're going through. It's not. As I read through your book, I just find myself pulled. You know, like, I just can't put it down. There's just something about your writing style that's just really compelling. Did you find it was a struggle to find that writing style, or did it just seem to come out of you naturally? It was a little bit of both, honestly. Um, I feel like what was a big help surprisingly was especially over the course of the pandemic, just having the time to kind of sit and read more. And I was really compelled by Hemingway and mm -hmm. like just the way in which he writes 
very naturally and sort of creates these things without being like too overbearing with the descriptions. So I definitely will say that was like a big influence on helping me understand that like you can write these things without having to like, you know, that iceberg approach of just sort of getting it out there, but then leaving a lot under the surface that the reader can take away from. So once I kind of understood that style and really honed it in, I found that being able to write this was just so much easier because, you know, for years and years, I've been attempting to just sit down and write something. And I found myself always getting overwhelmed or overthinking it. But with this, I just, yeah, I just started writing. And once I got into the flow of it, yeah, it really came very naturally. And I just felt sort of like, okay, you know, we would write for a while and get to a natural conclusion and then just keep going from there and just bit by bit everything started like coming together. Wow. It really did come together. That's for sure. What was your biggest challenge with the book? I mean, the biggest challenge was certainly looking back on some of the darker experiences I've been through and and being able to write certain chapters in the novel. Um, You know, there's definitely some times where I would kind of have to stop myself because it was just a lot that I was still processing mentally as I was writing. So I'd say that was definitely the toughest part of the whole process was just like, you know, being able to first, you know, get that confidence to start wanting to share that and then being able to reflect on everything and just get it down. Um, So, yeah, there's definitely some nights where I would just when I was done, I was like, I would just really need to step away for a bit and just like take a breather because it would just be a lot like mentally draining. Yeah. Now that you've finished the book, is there anything that you think you should have included that you didn't? I mean, I, I, it's, I mean, I think about that a lot, actually. Uh, I mean, I think there's so many other stories and anecdotes on life that I've been through that I wish I could just keep on going with it. Um, but I think, you know, what's there kind of serves the purpose really well. And you know, I would never want to, I guess, drain the tank completely because there are other influences and things like that to borrow from for for future work that I'm kind of starting the early processing through in my mind right now. Daniel, can you tell us about some of the film projects that you're working on right now? Yeah, so right now I have two um, feature film scripts that I've written and they have screenplays ready to go uh one is a coming of age story that takes place in the early 90s Uh, it's entitled spares point um the other is a horror film that is set during world war one um that is set to be a stop motion animation project uh that one is actually a little bit further along than than the drama film Um, as I have a fellow producer involved with that and we're actively kind of getting talent on board right now. Um, So both projects are, you know, I'd say early pre-production phases, but, you know, both are getting a a good amount of interest from prospective studios and things like that. Oh, that's exciting. That really is. What's next? Do you have something on the horizon coming up that really excites you? Yeah, I mean, you know, Trying to get both the film projects into production, of course, is always something that's like, you know, keeping the train going. Um, But for me, it's really just kind of 
seeing where things can go, like especially with the novel and then also just, you know, the, the networking aspect that has grown so much for me over the last year and a half. Um, one thing I do in my spare time is I, you know, work on a, a blog on my website that's there to help, you know, indie creators and filmmakers and authors and doing that every day and being able to connect with different creatives has just like opened the doors for me in so many amazing ways to just talk to people, communicate with fellow creatives and just, you know, be able to give back in a sense too, as I've kind of created this little platform for everybody. So for me, the exciting part is just like knowing that every day there's something else that pops up that's new. It's just like, I love that. You know, I really do love that, that spice of life of like, you know, who are we going to interact with today? Or who are we going to get an email from today? Um, a total aside, but just the other day, I had someone that I wrote a film review for last year. Uh, that's a Japanese animator. And they found their review and reached out to me and actually translated my entire article into Japanese and shared it with me, which was just wow. crazy. Like, it was so cool to see because I'm like, I never thought something I wrote would be translated to Japanese, but here we are. And uh, yeah, it's just little little things like that just kind of excite me and, and, you know, keep me so motivated to just keep working as hard as I can. That's very cool. That is extremely cool. Mindful Tribe, the website to go to is two tonyproductions.com check it out and uh, I'm just really interested who is your ideal audience who do you most want to reach Daniel I mean for me I just like you know having an open door for just about anybody you know mm -hmm. I, I try to write and create projects that have a wide swath of just you know different groups, different, you know, people from different backgrounds, because, you know, that's how I try to live my own life is just, you know, whoever wants to interact, whoever wants to network with me and stuff, I'm, I'm a complete open door. So, you know, I, I always try to keep all of that in mind. So it's, it's all everyone out there. <laughs> welcome to chat with anybody, you know, I just I love the interaction. Yeah, well, like I said, your novel Focus Puller really was something that resonated with me. I really appreciate your writing style and just the way it flowed and the way it spoke. And, you know, there's a lot of raw material in there, a lot of edgy material that that I thought, wow, this this is really interesting. This is really fascinating to read. And I feel like I'm... Uh, I'm advancing myself as I read what you're sharing. So thank you for putting this out there. Of course. Thank you. That, that really means a lot. I want to ask you about the topic of bullying. I've worked in the field of bullying prevention for over 10 years, and I always ask about this question on the show. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness may have made a difference? I mean, that's, Growing up, that was a big thing. I mean, I was bullying was tough because I had definitely gone through it. Um, I can remember a few instances where it was, especially in middle school and early high school, there was one kid in particular who would always just say very nasty things and try to get under my skin. And 
a lot of it was having to be mindful about it. You know, the thing for me was trying to understand why this person was acting the way they were. And inevitably, what kind of resolved the issue was, you know, going to the school, like, all, like therapist person, and me and that, that bully uh, kind of just sitting down and talking. And, like, what en ended up being realized was, like, the two of us weren't really all that different. It was mm -hmm. just, you know, he had maybe some insecurities or things that he was working through. And inevitably, we actually ended up, you know, not becoming super close friends, but we were friends by the end mm -hmm. of, you know, the time at that school. But I think that's the thing is that, like, just by engaging in conversation, because I think, you know, especially at that time, the attitude in school is like, you know, you got to stand up for yourself and, you know, all that stuff, you know, yeah. violence with violence. But I was always of the mindset that it was just like, no, I think it just needs to be a conversation. And that's inevitably what it was that really resolved that issue. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really important to, like, you know, not try to look at it in such a negative light, but realize that, like, maybe this person is dealing with something that I'm not aware of. And just by, like I said, engaging in some kind of dialogue, it made all the difference in the world. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I can, I can uh, imagine that it did make a huge difference. As we move on in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful, uh, a person who has a powerful effect on you when it comes to the topic of mindfulness? Mm, um, well, I think, you know, the easy thought for me is, is everything with Tony. Like, I think he is my kind of balancing person in life. Whenever I feel lost or anything like that, I always sort of reflect on our time together and that helps keep me grounded and stable in a strong way. Oh, fantastic. My second question is about emotions. And, you know, we learn a lot about emotions by reading your book, but what can you share with us? Um, how have your emotions changed or how you deal with your emotions as a result of mindfulness? Oh, that's huge. I mean, I can used to be much more like things would push me to an angry place way easier when I was younger and stuff like that. But, you know, kind of thinking through and stopping and pausing has just made a world of difference with all of that you know, especially with just feeling like life is short and like, you know, obstacles happen and we just need to kind of push forward and everything. So mindfulness has been just a huge help with that in my life. Let's talk about breathing. Is there a technique? Is there a thought, uh, something you'd like to share with us about breathing and how that can make a difference and make us feel more grounded and more mindful? Yeah, I mean, especially with certain like if I'm doing events or things like that where everything is very fast paced, just taking that moment to like step somewhere where it's a little more calm and just taking a couple deep breaths like that makes such a world of difference for me because I'm able to like say, OK, you know, this is a little overwhelming, but step by step we can make it through. And just that little 30 seconds of pause just like helps me to just center and kind of keep moving forward with everything, no matter how challenging it, it can be. Yeah. Any apps that you would recommend that you use that can help 
to be more grounded? Um, I mean, I, I enjoy just kind of like apps that not so much like game apps, but like certain little like fun kind of puzzle type things like crossword puzzle apps and stuff like that. I just find that that helps me again, sort of like, you know, I'm on the phone, but I'm not doing something that's just kind of getting me, you know, into some social media storm that's going on or, or yeah. whatever. It's just the ability to just kind of sit there for a little bit and kind of step away, but not in this like spiral of uh, negativity or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing all that. I really appreciate it. I uh, want to just mention again, Mindful Tribe, to you about about the books that Daniel has written. The first one, Just a Boy Blaming Himself, and the novel Focused Puller, Focus Puller, and that's coming out June 2022, just as we're here, just about to hit June. And uh, are there any books that you would recommend to our listeners that can help with mindfulness in one way or another? I mean, again, I would definitely go back to, to Hemingway and uh, a lot of his novels. I think what he gets right is just kind of painting an aesthetic for a certain location with a lot of his work. And it's very easy to just sort of pick up and take little by little and just sort of escape into these different places. And, you know, a lot of it, it's not these like grand, you know, ideas or grand places that just seem like, you know, maybe overwhelming to take in. It's just sort of slices of life. And I really do enjoy that style of writing. So I would say, you know, especially his like early novels, I really enjoy um, from Hemingway. Yeah, we'll put all of this into our show notes, Mindful Tribe. Our website is mindfulnessmode.com. Now, I know that you have a goal to help people raise their level of confidence. And uh, I'm just interested if if people are listening today who feel like they're just just really having a struggle with that, with their confidence, what words of advice would you have for them? I mean, I would tell anybody that's struggling with confidence to just kind of, you know, first is, is taking things step by step. I think that's so key in life with everything. I mean, you can't build a house without a foundation. And I think, you know, kind of really looking at, you know, what, what obstacles might be there. I mean, some people, it might be a personal obstacle. Maybe they're in a situation with someone where they aren't really supported or things like that. So it's, you know, a matter of maybe trying to find a new environment to be in or, you know, trying to just have some time to yourself, you know, to really kind of step away and figure out, okay, how can I really hone in on things like that? But also, you know, just kind of, you know, feeling stronger about what you're able to do and sharing, I think, is super important because, I mean, I I feel like the less that you share, the less that you kind of get either from feedback, whether that be, you know, positive or, you know, not negative, but just some constructive criticism from others to try to make yourself become better in whatever field you're trying to do. and just taking all of those notes and taking it all in and just feeling stronger about what you're able to do. Um, Cause I think we all go through times where we don't feel like 
we're good enough, you know, for what we're trying to accomplish in life. But, you know, we are. And I think that's the thing that you have to remember is that, you know, no matter how tough things feel, you know, just have that peace of mind to know that what you're doing is worthwhile and what you're trying to create uh, can be something amazing for so many others that you might not be giving it credit for. Yeah, that's a very good point. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with our listeners and Mindful Tribe to tonyproductions.com. Check it out. And yeah, thank you again for being on the show, Daniel. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a complete pleasure. You're welcome. All the best to you. Bye now. Bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening to the episode today. And one thing I wanted to mention is thanks for connecting with me on Instagram. So many of you have, and I really appreciate it. If you have not yet, you can go to Instagram, Bruce Langford. That's what I am, at Bruce Langford on Instagram. And check out some of the content that I'm putting up there. So that would be just great if you connect with me on Instagram. And with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.